But if you want to be a person who makes their money as a screenwriter, just like people who work at a post office get up every day and make their money by right. working at the post office, then that's a totally different kind of discipline. Hey everyone, this is Brittany with the Creative Outsiders Podcast, where we connect the dots for storytellers. Basically, we want to show you it's possible to live your filmmaking dreams. And today's guest is none other than Miss Shannon Johnson. Welcome to the show, Shannon. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining us. I am so excited to finally get the chance to talk with you. Yes, I plan on having a little fun with you guys today. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Good fun, but yes, this is the highlight. We're in a we're in a pandemic, and I've been in my house since March. So this is this is what I get. This is my entertainment. Right, you got to take it when you can get it. I understand. <laughs> now your career path defines versatility. You work with education. You've done TV and film. You're an actress, singer, dancer. How exactly did you decide, you know, when you were switching these career lanes that it was time to switch? And were you ever fearful of taking that leap from one career path to another? Great question. Um, I think I was, I, I don't think I've ever been fearful, uh, but my one leap that, I, that actually gave me pause was leaving my executive job at the Sci-Fi Channel and leaving to go join a dance company. Wow. And it gave me pause because I'm just one of those people who, you know, just has been taught, you go to school, you go to college, you get your degree, and then you go and become an adult. Yes. And, you know, even though I had gone to a performing arts middle school, and I was very into musical theater, singing, acting, and dancing, all of that just seemed like dream stuff. You know what I mean? Right. Didn't seem like real stuff. I was already a weirdo for wanting to be a writer, you know? <laughs> There was no one around me who was creative in that way. All of my friends wanted to be engineers and, um, you know, teachers and doctors and lawyers. And so I was already, you know, a weirdo for wanting to do what I wanted to do. Um, so here I am and I was 26. So I was already in quotations old. No, I'm lying. I was 28. <laughs> so I was already in quotations old for somebody who was going to be going into singing, acting, dancing. Um, so my pause was, I'm supposed to be adulting, not running around the world and, you know, the dreams. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, like, that's just not what you're supposed to be doing. So I called my mother because I was like, you know, she'll be the one who tells me, you know, like, girl, what are you talking about? <laughs> you better work this job. Um, but when I called her, she said, you know, you only live once. Wow. Okay, mama. This was be right. And this was before Drake. <laughs> this was before YOLO. My mother has no idea what YOLO means. But that was literally her, that was her response. She said, you only live once. And so that gave me the permission right. to take that leap. Any other leap I've taken, it's just, you know, I've been blessed in the fact that I don't have any other responsibilities but myself. So I have taught myself that since I do only have this one life, I'm going to do what I want to do, you know? So when I was working in education, I did that because you graduate from college and you get a job, you know, but I have been so busy doing all this creative stuff in college that I had never really thought about what is my day job going to look like? Because again, I wanted to be a writer. I was going to write books. I wanted to be a novelist. I didn't know uh, in college being in uh, coming, uh, growing up in Texas, I just didn't know that screenwriters existed. So I thought, 
you become a, a novelist and somehow, some way it gets on screen. I don't right. know what that process is, but it just happens. Um, so I always knew I was going to be an author, but I also know you don't make money overnight being an author. So mm -hmm. what my day job was going to be was beyond me, you know? So I went into education because my mother's an educator. So I naturally uh, have that gene in me. And she kept telling me, you should get your teacher certification. And I don't know how many times I have told that woman, I do not want a teacher certification. <laughs> she even told me like two years ago, well, you should get your teacher certification. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I don't want to be a teacher. Um, and with that said, I now teach at NYFA. So, you know, whatever. But um, I, I didn't know you know, what my day job was going to be, but I was like, I'm good at encouraging other people. I'm good at helping other people organize their lives. I'm good at holding people accountable. So I decided to work at my university at Texas A&M University. And for that entire year, I was helping uh, students, but I was not helping myself. Mm. <laughs> so, you know, even at that age of, I, think, I guess I was 22, I was like, yo, I can't spend my whole life helping everybody else reach their goals and telling them that their dreams are possible. And I'm not doing anything remotely close to what I want to be doing. Oh, you're preaching. <laughs> so, yeah. So I quit my job. Well, actually I didn't quit. Let me tell you what happened. So I'm, you know, I knew I was going to grad school by now. I knew screenwriters existed and I was like, well, I'm going to go to film school because I don't know anything about screenwriting. But because I didn't decide to apply until later, I was going to have two years, a two year gap before I got to film school. So after my first year of working at Texas A&M, I went into one of my uh, one of my bosses, one of my superiors or managers. I can't remember what we used to call him. And I, I gave him like this idea. I was like, look, we work with honor students and none of them are going to be here during the summer. So I'm basically going to be coming in here, sitting in my office and doing nothing every day. So how about I go to Los Angeles for the summer? I can take some screenwriting classes. I can, uh, you know, do some internships. I can work on set and just learn some stuff. Then I'll come back. I'll work this job for the next year. And then I'm going to be off to film school because they already knew I was only going to be there for two years in the first place. So that was information they knew. So I thought this is a great idea. You don't have to pay me for the summer. <laughs> you know, I'll just go do my thing and come back. And his response to me was, well, thank you for your two weeks notice. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and, I <laughs> yeah, I, I did not see that coming at all. I thought he would just either say, I thought he would say no. You know, I didn't think he would say yes, but I was like, I'm gonna shoot my shot anyway. But basically he wasn't, he wasn't being mean. He was actually saying to me, that's what you're supposed to be doing. So go do it. Mm -hmm. So I quit my job and everything that could fit in my Chevy Cavalier uh, came with me to Los Angeles for the first time. I've lived in LA three times, came, to with me, came with me to Los Angeles for the first time. And that's when I slept on couches and floors and moved from sublease to sublease and I lied and said I was a student so I could be an intern at several places and I was being everything that I could be on a set you know a PA a second AD I was doing as much as I could uh for that that year that I was there before I left to go to film school wow that's that's wow <laughs> yeah. so that's like one of my hashtags is just like take the leap like Same. really, I'm I'm somebody who just believes every day that you wake up is an opportunity to do something different. Take right. You know, it just is. Like even and, and I get that again, I've been blessed that I'm not responsible for anybody but myself. Right. There right. are other people who can't take as big of a leap, but it doesn't mean that there's not a leap that they can take, especially if you plan for it. You know right. what I mean? Because the other thing 
that I have always done is I've always been a saver. So I was never taking a leap and then sleeping on floors on purpose. You know what I mean? I was taking a leap and I had enough money that could get me by and then that thing didn't work out. Now I'm on somebody's floor. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? But I I was never putting myself in a position to be homeless, even though I was almost homeless for one night. And that's why I ended up on somebody's floor. So I I think, you know, if there are things you want to do, you got to do it because regret is what I'm afraid of. I'm not afraid of falling on my face. That's fine. But regret, I don't want to do that. Right. Yeah. Living with that regret. And like, it's important. I like how you said that, you know, take that leap, but you also plan for it. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of times we hear that story, the successor, okay, you know, we see, we see A and then we see Z like, okay, I took the leap and then, you know, I ended up here, but like you, mm-hmm. you share it B through <laughs> Y. Mm-hmm. Like, I had to do yeah. that. I had to do that. Yeah. I had to do this. I had to plan. So mm-hmm. like, it's not just the overnight, I'll take this leap. It's just going to happen. <laughs> no. And my last time I took a leap, which was this last, uh, it was November, 2018, I literally, again, put everything that could fit in my now Ford Explorer. Uh, I lied. It's not a Ford Explorer. That's my old car. Uh, This Jeep that I have. And I came out to LA this time and I had no place to live and no job, but I had a savings account. Mm -hmm. And I just said, look, what I do know is I'm going to have a place to live. (laughs) It's going to happen. If that means that it's not the, the place that I, you know, would choose, you know what I'm saying? Whatever. But I also know LA is the kind of place that you got to be here to get it done. You know, I had been looking for apartments for months before I moved out here and nothing was happening. So I was like, that's okay. When I get to LA, I'm going to physically go up to these places and someone is going to let me live there. And that's exactly what happened. I drove in and went directly to an apartment complex and it was that place that I ended up moving in like four days later. That's that's awesome. Like that whole story, like it's just <laughs> inspiring. Like you dropped a lot of nuggets and information, um, you know, and even sharing that. So let's say we have someone that decide they want to take the leap. They want to, you know, maybe become a screenwriter themselves. Like what is the number one problem you see with new screenwriters and what can we as screenwriters do better? Yeah. Well, I'm going to talk about two sides of it. Uh, anytime someone says that they, I'm going to, t- I'm going to act like you asked me a different question. So instead okay. of what can screenwriters do, I'm going to say, what can people who have a screenplay they want to write do? Because th- okay. th- those are two different people. Okay. I think that's what everybody has to understand. You have to ask yourself what the end goal is. Because a person with a story, anybody can just write their story down. Maybe it'll get made. Maybe it won't. Maybe you can make it yourself. But if you want to be a person who makes their money as a screenwriter, just like people who work at a post office get up every day and make their money by working at the post office, then that's a totally different kind of discipline. And what people have to understand is screenwriters, like actors, like directors, like anybody else on this creative side, uh, is a contract to contract gig. And that's Mm -hmm. if you you know, happen to be writing on TV staffs. And if people decide to continue to staff you and hire you and take you along with them to the next place and the next place and the next place. For feature writers, you can write five features, maybe sell one of them. Maybe you made $100,000, but that was one time. What about all the rest of the years of your life that you need to eat? Mm. (laughs) Right? So I think that people have to ask themselves, well, do I just have a story that I want to tell? Mm-hmm. So that means I can I can write that in my spare time. I can get a group of people together. We can make it. We can 
you know, rent out a movie theater and show it to people. We can enter it in film festivals and like, look, like we did it. I made the movie. But that's totally different from saying, I want my career to be a screenwriter. So I think that's the first thing that okay. uh, new writers mistakenly do. They think because they have a story to tell that they should quit their job and take the leap. Mm. And it's like, okay, you're going to be broke. You're just going to come out to LA and get five more jobs to try to like make it. <laughs> and if you have five jobs, how are you going to write? Now right you can right. do, you can take that leap if you're actually trying to be a screenwriter. You know what I'm saying? And you say, look, that means I need to be writing every day, all day. So I can't have this full-time job that requires so much of me. So I'm going to come out here and I'm going to become a waitress or I'm going to become a babysitter. or I'm going to do whatever I have to do just so I can have more time to write. But what happens to a lot of creatives is they move to LA or New York and the beast of the city takes them over. Mm. And just trying to function in that place can become so much that now you're not even doing the creative thing that you came out here to do. So like that's one side of it. When it comes to the actual writing of it, I think you have to respect the craft. So that again goes back to, are you a person with a story to tell or are you a writer? Because everybody has a story to tell. Right. You know what I mean? But are you going to do the work to learn the craft? Or are you just going to vomit stuff onto a page, not care about formatting, not care about proofreading, not care about structure, and then get mad when nobody will read your screenplay? Ooh, <laughs> you stepping on some toes. <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, like I always give the example of if I at age, if I was a 35 year old man in good shape and I woke up one morning and said, I'm going to walk on to the NFL. Everybody would look at me like I was insane. Yet right. people wake up every day and say, I'm going to be a writer <laughs> because they don't have the same respect for it. <laughs> you know what I mean? They just think, well, I have an idea. I send text messages. I write emails. I know how to write. And it's like, well, no, not, it, not everybody is meant to be a writer. Mm -hmm. And the other thing about that is I think a lot of people on the outside of the industry don't understand how collaborative of a process it is mm -hmm. and that there are so many other positions that you can be in and still creatively give to the process and the project. And it doesn't have to be writer. Mm -hmm. So can you speak a little bit about that? Because I noticed, um, I was watching some of your videos and that's one of the things that you discussed mm -hmm. that people often think, you know, there's only this position. You can be a writer or you can be an actress or you can be a producer, but there's other, you know, positions in this process that you can actually get into. So there are a million trillion positions. Um, <laughs> like when you see something, make it to the screen. You have no idea whose input it was that made the thing that you got excited about happen. Right. It could have been the PA in the room who happened to say, oh, you know what? That newspaper doesn't look real enough, but hey, if I go roll it around in some dirt over here and bring it back, maybe we can use that instead of this. And it was just somebody who's not even getting paid to be there. <laughs> you know what I mean? But they made a decision about what's going to happen in that film or on that television show. So when it comes to adding to the creative process, there are creative producers who come up with story ideas and hire writers to write them because they don't know how to write. And I think, you know, I say these kind of things and some people do get their feelings hurt, but that's not shade. If, if you have someone who's not great at science, you're not going to hold that against them because nobody thinks that everybody should be good at science, right? right? 
The same thing is true for writing. It's okay if you are not a good writer. If you have ideas, go find a writer who is good at writing to write them, <laughs> right? Like that's what, that is a position that you can have for yourself, that you are the creative producer who comes up with the ideas, you put all of the things together, but somebody else has to execute it on the page. That's why they get their credit that says written by, and you get your credit that says produced by, <laughs> right? Um, the same thing is true for uh, like ex executives, which a lot of people don't know exists because executives don't get credits, right? Mm -hmm. But the people who work at Sony or work at NBC or ABC are the people who are there from the very beginning of the process to the very end of the process. And other than the executive producer, they're the only people who are there from the very beginning of the process to the end of the process. A lot of the times the writer is not there for that entire part of the process. Why? They've done their job. They wrote the script. Thank you. Here's your check. Goodbye. <laughs> the rest of the people are now going to come in and do their part of the process, which is to be creative in their way. As a director, they have their own visual creativity to bring to the table. Cinematographers do, makeup artists do, uh, set designers do, wardrobe people do. Wardrobe people are not building or are not sketching out things because you sketched out what their costumes or, or outfits or wardrobe would look like in your screenplay. They're taking what you wrote in your screenplay using their imaginations and deciding this is what it looks like. If you read the Black Panther screenplay, it does not tell you every stitch <laughs> of every costume, wow. right? But the costume designer said, okay, but you give me so much on the page that it speaks to me. And now mm -hmm. I get to go do my job. So there are just, there's so many ways to be a part of this creative process. And a lot of writers get into it because they think that they will be able to be God over the process. And that's just not true. Like a lot of writers are not taken through the entire uh, process of, of, of making a film or a television show. Um, and that doesn't mean that you never will, you know, like Shonda Rhimes is gonna be there every step of the way, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But when you're a new writer, Sometimes it just doesn't work out that way for you. And then a lot of people end up, you know, getting their feelings hurt because they're like, well, it's my baby. It's like, no, it is. No, it isn't. Someone bought it. It's their baby now. Oh, wow. <laughs> this was so <laughs> enlightening. I'm sitting here, like, even listening to you talk. These are just things that you just don't know, you know, when you're mm -hmm. trying to get to the industry. And the fact that, like you said, it's, you know, a business thing. Okay, you know, you got your check and now they have to do their job, so. Wow. Right, which goes back to the, are you trying to be a screenwriter or mm -hmm. do you just have a story to tell? Because right. screenwriters understand their part in the process. Right. Screenwriters are also not putting all of their eggs in one basket mm -hmm. because they're writing other things. Screenwriters are also gladly taking their check because that's how they make their money. Right. You're trying to sell a lot of screenplays, not just make one big you know, one big um, film, because again, that one big film is going to give you your one check, two checks, maybe you might get three or four checks from it, you know what I mean? But eventually, I mean, we're looking at your whole life here. And if right. you're saying, this is how I make my money, I don't have a day job, I don't have a side hustle, I don't have any of those things. This is how I make my money, then you're going to always be pushing out screenplays and trying to get several of them purchased a year or trying to get staffed on as many shows as you can or whatever it is that you need to do because that's how you pay your bills that's how your kids eat so you can't be you know so in your feelings about the fact that well they didn't invite me to set did you get your check <laughs> <laughs> could, could you buy your children's uniforms 
Right. I love that. I love how, you know, honest and straightforward you are about the, the business side of it. Because as creatives, we love to come, sometimes live in this kind of, you know, creative la la land. I just want to create, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> be creative. And you're yeah. like, no, like. <laughs> you got to, you have to be able to do both. You have to yeah. be able to do both because you don't want to take the la la land away because maybe that's what what feeds your you know imagination you know what I mean so definitely when you're being creative put it all out there but then just understand that when it's time to get that thing made if you're not going to make it yourself then there's a whole business that exists and you're like you know one of the cogs in the machine and at least you're hoping that you're a cog in the machine like there are screenwriters that you've never heard of who are getting paid because all they do is rewrite other people's stuff they're a cog in the machine somebody calls them when they receive an action screenplay and they need this person to come and tighten up all the action. And that person gets a check every single time they call that person. You know, people involved in the process, but speaking Mm -hmm. of the business and, and, you know, getting your check, let's talk about your business and your agency, the professional pen services. So what exactly as a, you call yourself a script consultant, Yes. What exactly does that consist of and what type of services do you offer to writers through the professional right. So going back to my mother always saying, get your teaching certification. <laughs> <laughs> Mama knew what she was talking about. <laughs> right. Though I never did. I did take a few classes just to get her to, you know, stop asking me for a second. But, um, but I never did because I never wanted to teach K through 12, even though I did substitute teaching K through 12. Oh my goodness. That's why you didn't want to. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, I don't understand how anybody can do this one day and then say, yeah, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna keep doing this. Right. I have to look at your own children too. Like, I just don't know. They're saints. One of my friends is a teacher. Uh, She's a reading interventionist and she can teach any child how to read. Um, if, if anybody wants to uh, look at her courses and find her services, she's at Rebecca Guillory underscore. Uh, but anyway, but she loves it. It's the passion for her. For me, it is a natural inclination for me to be an advisor. And so mm-hmm. as the professional pen, my consultancy means that I am here to advise you, encourage you, and develop you. I believe if you develop the writer, the content will come. So as much as my services are about content, the kind of feedback that I give is so that you can learn, which is the difference between me and working with like a script coverage service where you just send your screenplay in, some random person reads it, that person may have never written a thing in their lives, that person (laughs) may be a college student, that person may be another writer like you, you know, who knows. Um, But you know, they have a, a, a group of people that work there and they spit out the notes but the, but the coverage that they give is, from my opinion, script coverage is for executives. Script coverage tells an executive whether they should bother to read your screenplay. Therefore, script coverage is unhelpful to a writer because it doesn't okay. give them any constructive feedback. It gives them a log line, a synopsis. I don't know why I need a synopsis of my own screenplay. I know what it is. <laughs> Right. (laughs) So that's another like, yeah, because that synopsis is not for you. It's for other people. Um, And then it may, you know, give you a pass or fail, you know, pass or uh, or recommend. uh, And you're like, okay. Um, And then it may, you know, talk about the marketing of it and let you know if it's marketable or not, which may be good for you. But as far as what your problem areas are, areas of confusion, things that they bumped on, they'll tell you, maybe they'll give you a short conclusion of what they bumped on, but they won't tell you how to fix it. 
Okay. They won't tell you why it's a problem. You know, if they even bother to tell you that there was a problem, they may just, you know, pass, pass it and be done with it. And so when people work with me, if you order development notes, so I don't even call it script coverage, but if you order development notes, you get page by page notes on story, character. Um, I even talk about formatting because I know I get a lot of, excuse me, first time screenwriters mm -hmm. and lack of, uh, lack of formatting will get people to not read your stuff, period. Wow. Because they don't have time. <laughs> and right. so I will give you notes on what you are doing wrong and how it's supposed to be done. Right. And then I also, so those are development notes. I also offer a log line review where you send me your log line and I give you detailed notes on the sections of that log line. I give you an example of how you could write your log line and I give you a formula of what works best for a log line. I also have a script analysis, which is just the first 15 pages of your screenplay because a reader, executive, producer kind of person will only give you about 15 pages to snag them. And if you didn't, they will move on because they have hundreds of thousands of other screenplays to read. So they don't have time to read all 90 pages of your screenplay just to get to the end and realize they knew that this was gonna suck at page 15. Wow. So <laughs> they, stop, they stop there. So I have a service where you send in your first 15 pages and I kind of, I do like a checkbox of yes, you're hitting all of the beats you're supposed to be hitting or no, you're not. And then I give you kind of a quick conclusion um, that can kind of send you in the right direction just from those first 15 pages. And then I, I do what I call a polish which some people will call revisions, but it basically is proofreading and formatting and then proofreading and formatting and then I will do minor story editing, which basically means you have most of the information here, but if we move this thing over here, it'll tighten it up a little bit. If we add a little bit more character development right here, then it'll pull this whole thing together. And I call that a polish. And then I also do rewrites, which means from page one, we're gonna start, I work directly with the writer so that from page one, we rewrite this story to make sure that it's actually being executed the way that it should. And then I guess lastly, I can't even remember if this is the last thing, but lastly, if people, some people don't have final draft, so I will convert to final draft for them, which a lot of people think just means, um, oh, just copy and paste, but no, final draft will not put all of that stuff in your Word document in the place that it was in your Word document. So I have to go line by line and move things to where they need to be. <laughs> and so I do that. And on top of that, I do consultation. So if you want to get on the phone with me and talk about anything, we can do that. And if you want to practice your pitch with me or send your pitch materials to me, I can help you with that as well. So I kind of do everything uh, development with um, a writer. Wow, like a one-stop shop, like you're a very busy woman, you have a lot. I am. A lot of services. That's <laughs> but I can tell you're very passionate about you. So I'm pretty sure it doesn't feel like a lot of work, but. Well, it is a lot of work, but I enjoy it. But you enjoy it. Mm -hmm. I think it's, it's kind of a, a good and bad thing for me because I'm a workaholic. So <laughs> the fact that I enjoy it is kind of like, can be a bad thing because that means I'm never like not working. Right, <laughs> you don't know when to stop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so outside of the professional services that you offer, I know you had posted a while ago that you wanted to have a screenwriting program at an HBCU. Mm -hmm. so why, how did that come about? Why is that so important to you? Um, I think in general, most film schools, and I'm going to say it, and they can feel how they want to feel, focus on production more than they do writing. 
Mm. Now, this isn't every film school because there are some film schools who actually have writing programs within their film school. But a lot of film production pro uh, film programs focus more on the production. So you do have one or two writing classes, right? Um, or you have to write something in your directing class because you need to direct it, right? But they really aren't teaching the fundamentals of screenwriting and then giving you time to practice that craft throughout the year so that when you're on the outside, you aren't making the same mistakes as people who didn't go to film school. I think that is crazy, <laughs> right? So I get people who went to film school who have the same kind of mistakes that people who didn't go to film school have. And that's because most schools don't focus on the writing unless of course you have a writing program. But with that being said, those students who are still going for directing are still gonna be writing something, but they're not in the writing program. So they're not gonna get the same kind of information that the writing program students are gonna get, right? right. Um, and that's okay because you know, they don't wanna be writers. They're, they wanna be directors. Hopefully that's why they chose that track. Um, but for those people who come in knowing that they want to be writers, I just think it's very important that they get that same kind of hands-on time to focus on that skill like everybody else is getting to focus on theirs versus oh yeah. i took two screenwriting classes out of four years now, let me tell you something <laughs> it was probably helpful if you knew nothing at all mm -hmm. but by the time you get out you're still going to be you know learning uh just as much as everybody else is and so um one of the reasons i chose an hbcu is because when i was trying to go to graduate school for film school, there was not one HBCU that offered a graduate uh, screenwriting program. Mm. Um, and even when I looked at the undergraduate, it was like, again, maybe there was a film minor, but it was more about analysis and theory. <laughs> you know, it wasn't about hands-on production or screenwriting. And I didn't wanna go for production, but I would have taken it just because, you know, I like to learn in a classroom setting. And I hoped that I would get a couple of screenwriting classes. But you know, now there are uh, several, uh, several campuses that do have some kind of program that have maybe, again, one or two screenwriting classes, but they don't have a screenwriting program. So that's why when I posted that, I made it very clear that I'm not talking about journalism. I'm not talking about communications. I'm not talking about creative writing. I'm not talking about producing. I'm not talking about directing screen writing for film and television because especially these days not that it hasn't been like this forever but black folks are really writing now you know everybody has a story to tell and it's like okay great then let's get you in a place where you at least are executing in a way that can be representative of who you are as a writer so that when your stuff gets on the desk they'll at least read it because I hear a lot of people complaining like they won't even give me a chance. Like, are you looking at this screenplay? Right. Like, do you see where you're formatting things? Right. I wouldn't read it either. The only reason I do is because it's my job and you're paying me to do it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But it's like, there are things where it's like, yo, no, we have to come in correct. And I'm not saying other people don't come in and have their stuff looking just as janky, but we're not them. And we know that. Right. That's true. That is true. We have to come correct. At least get your foot in the door. So that's awesome. Yeah. So <laughs> I would, I would love to do some artists in residency kind of programs or guest lecturer kind of programs at HBCUs to come in for a semester or a couple of months or a couple of weeks to do some screenwriting classes. Um, and then eventually 
I would love to have a program, like start a program somewhere so that, you know, because now that social media exists, young people are being exposed to these different kind of careers earlier. So like for me, again, even though I watched movies my whole life, I had never heard the term screenwriter until I was 21. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Whereas now there are nine-year-olds who know that word. So that means they can decide I'm going to college for screenwriting. So then let's set them up for success. Right. And that's, that's like, it's, it's funny that you mentioned that because I went to HBCU mm-hmm. and I believe, you know, if I had a hat, maybe had that option in school to know that this exists and that we have it here and that it's something that as, you know, a young black person that I could do, then maybe, you know, that's a path that I would have chosen then. I wouldn't mm-hmm. have had to kind of, you know, later in life, try to get in it but at that time like you said the only thing was mass comm which i ended up doing yeah <laughs> journalism. Mm-hmm. That that's it. why i was that's why i did english and journalism because <laughs> that was it. the closest i could get to it and it's really not close at all the right. formatting is not the same the storytelling's not the same so it really didn't help me other than you know just giving me opportunities to write something <laughs> but it didn't help me as far as screenwriting goes at all right so i think that's important like you said that the next generation um gets exposed to that so if you're looking for school i'm just gonna throw norfolk state out there because that is my alma mater you know what that's where i wanted to go (laughs) really yes that's where i wanted to go the only reason i didn't go is because they didn't give me enough scholarship money oh wow literally i wanted to go there because of their communication school um i did a um i did a hbcu uh campus tour when i was coming out of my junior year and going into my senior year of high school and so uh, Norfolk State is one of the places where we went and I was like this is where I want to go I applied and everything I got in but they just didn't give me enough money oh. so I didn't go well see at least you had a good reason for wanting to go you wanted to go because the the communication school I wanted to go because I heard it was a party school so <laughs> 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 to this day my mom is so embarrassed behind it <laughs> But you got your degree, though. Exactly. It took me <laughs> an extra year, but I got it. So <laughs> it's all that. That's now. okay. It's not about how long. That's what I used to tell my students. It's not about how long. As long as you know, as long as you're not up here wasting money. You know, that's the thing. Right. It costs to go to go to undergrad. You know, it's like right. don't come up here wasting money. But other than that, like when students ask me about like changing your major and blah blah blah, it's the same thing I say about taking the leap. It's like, look, if if you want to change your major, I change did. it. It's not about how long you stay here. It's about being equipped when you leave. Because how many people do you know who actually have a career in the thing that they graduated, uh, the thing that they received their degree in? You know, a lot of people don't. A lot of people have found their skills in other things. And, you know, that's what they work in, you know? So it's like, yeah. Right. So, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. So let me go ahead. We're going to, not going to keep you much longer, but I do want to ask, let the people know, what is next for you? What do you have going on and how can we connect and support you? Awesome. Well, thank you. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at the professional pin. That's where most of my everything is happening. If you're a Facebook person, I also have a Facebook page, the professional pin, but mostly everything that I'm ever uh, talking about, writing tips, opportunities, um, courses, workshops, sales, etc. all happen on my Instagram page at The Professional Pen. My um, website is a writer for your writer.com. Um, so you can find all of my services and my rates are all on my website. Uh, so you can contact me there. 
I just came off of hiatus, which wasn't a real hiatus. I just told people I was going on hiatus so that I can stop receiving orders. <laughs> but really, I had so much work to do that I just needed a moment to catch up with all the work. Wow. Um, so now that I'm off hiatus, guess what? I already have a big queue of things to get out. So I'm doing that. I am uh, rewriting a few screenplays for some writers and some producers. So that takes up a lot of my time. And then other than that, like I said, you know, I'm really trying to find some, I, I work for the New York Film Academy, teaching screenwriting in Los Angeles. Um, so that's one of the places where I teach, but I also really am trying to, you know, once the Rona figures its life out, uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> really do want to figure out how I can do some guest lecture kind of things at some HBCUs. I don't know how I'm going to start there. I'm just going to keep saying it out loud and somebody's going to have the information and they're going to contact me. Yeah, that's right. how I feel about it. Uh, <laughs> but I really want to do that. And then um, any other opportunities that come up for me to write, to be staffed or to consult with uh, studios and networks to help them develop writers of color. I'm all open for all of that. So I, at this point, after I took my last leap, I literally said, God got it. And even though I am you know, a type A kind of person who likes to plan everything. Mm -hmm. I literally stopped planning and just let him work. And it's all good. And you fell into place. Look at God. Yes. Okay. He's been showing out. He He's has. I can... He's been showing out. <laughs> going out and showing out. Okay. Going out. It's like, okay, okay, we get it. <laughs> okay. Okay, God. You got it. So, oh, that was a wow. I really, really, really enjoyed speaking with you today. You dropped so much knowledge and wisdom and your story was just so inspiring. And I know that our listeners are inspired as well. So thank you again for joining us. No problem. Thank you and for having me. Of course. And thank you guys for tuning in to today's episode. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast, rate us, leave us a comment and share with someone else. And until next time, don't talk about it, be about it, go live your filmmaking dreams.